Well, hi, everybody. We are so glad that you have joined us. Well, officially, you made it. Christmas is now behind you. Now, the meaning of Christmas lives on forever. We get that. But I'm just, I'm just wondering today if you're looking forward to your trash man or woman picking up all your trash this week. <laughs> I, I know for me, that's always a highlight because Christmas creates a mess between the food, all the gifts, the wrapping. How many of you like use a pocket knife and you save the wrapping paper? Like, no. Stop doing that. You're slowing down the whole process. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're going to have some fun today talking about what's next after Christmas. So what is, it, what is it really like for Joseph and Mary to be done? I know for me, when, when I know that Christmas is over, um, you know, even, even just a few days ago when we finished all this up, you do have a mess in the room. There's a lot of stuff going on. But when I think of Joseph and Mary and what it was like after the birth of Jesus, the Bible says a couple things that, that I think we need to take note of. It talks about how the shepherds returned. You know, the angels all were gone now. The wise men eventually would come and go. And Joseph and Mary would go back to Nazareth. We're going to talk about that and do life, quote, normal. How, I mean, what is normal life when you're raising the Son of God, right? <laughs> but so I want to talk about what is it like to move on beyond the celebration and enter into what I would call the ho-hum of life, the mundane. When it's not a miracle, when it's not an angel appearing in the night, when it's not something supernatural, and all it is is you going from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday in the normal life that you live. Because God is still there in that life. And that's what I want you to know more than anything else. So let's look at a couple of things. I, I remember when uh, our firstborn, his name is Ryan, I remember after he was born, it was our first child. I hadn't really been around babies that much. Joseph and Mary, Jesus was their first child, and, and they hadn't really been around babies that much as far as we know. I remember taking Ryan home, and the first time Bonnie, my wife, said, well, I'm going to run down and pick this up. Are you okay with Ryan by yourself? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. Are you, you can't leave me with him. I'll break him. I'll drop him. I mean, what if his head bobbles? What if I can't? I don't think so until I got comfortable and I got used to it. But that's kind of how it is. There's a first for everything. And here they were raising Jesus. All the announcements are done. And now it's the work of raising Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Joseph and Mary did not have this all worked out. I just want to make a point, and we're going to get right into the outline. They didn't have instructions from the angel of how to raise him to 30 years old. All we have is the announcement of birth, the shepherds show up, the wise men, the magi show up, and then all that's over. And now it's the mundane life that they are living, raising 
Jesus. So consider these questions. I think I have like four questions in your outline today. It might be three, it might be five, I can't remember. But these are questions I want you to look at with me. The first question that I want you to consider is this one. Will I commit to finishing well? You say, well, I haven't finished yet. No, but I think, I think you really don't have a chance to finish well unless you decide right now in your life, regardless of your age or stage in life, that you want to be strong at the end. Even people who die young can finish well. People who die in older age, an older age bracket can finish well. So let me, let me just read Luke chapter 2, verse 39. Look at this. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord. Now that, we typically just keep reading, but I want to pause there because in the Christmas analogy, this would be things like, I don't, I don't know if you have younger kids in the house, but how many of you have put some toys together? this year, right? How many of you have had to assemble some things because someone bought you something that wasn't assembled? And now you're working through all that. Bikes and swing sets. Oh, don't even get me started on swing sets. Joseph and Mary dedicated baby Jesus like they were instructed to. This was customary for a Jewish couple to do with their child. There were prophecies of Simeon and Anna they walked through this idea. They, Joseph and Mary didn't just have a baby. They committed to raising this child. They committed to being together in this and giving it everything that they had. Will I start things or will I become a finisher? Will I finish what God has started in me? Will I go strong all the way to the end? Ask yourself that question. Maybe this is a good time. For you to say 2021 is a year that I'm going to finish tasks. I'm going, to, I'm going to tie a knot in the end of that line today. I'm going to make sure that I communicate better so that that communication gap is closed. Whatever it is in your life that you can finish well. The second question in your outline is how will I adjust to life in Nazareth? It says in the last part of verse 39 in Luke 2, they return home to Nazareth in Galilee. Now, we need to talk about this for a few minutes because well, some of you may know this, but what was Nazareth actually really like? You know, it's wonderful if you like the city you live in. Well, let me just give you a little description from Scripture, not just from historical record, but from Scripture. In, in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 45, Philip went out to look for Nathanael, and he told him, We have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nazareth. And guess what? Nathanael exclaimed, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, I'm not even going to try to think of a town that I could say the name that you would go, oh, yuck, because maybe you live there. I don't know. But you probably have spaces somewhere in your life, your history. You've driven through a small town and you've said to yourself, I would hate to live in a place like this. Well, that's Nazareth. 
Nazareth was a tough, tough town. Most scholars believe, and history shows, it was around 15,000 people. It talks about how people were rude. They were less cultivated. They were lower class. They were less religious. They had less character and integrity. Matter of fact, there was a phrase that came out in that day and age, don't trust someone from Nazareth. So, I mean, just think about that. Jesus is growing up in this kind of a town. What does it tell you? It tells you that God wanted normal uh, normal years. He, he didn't put Jesus in a palace as a child. He put him in a rough, tough, blue-collar neighborhood where Jesus had to adjust and live real life. I love that about God. Why? Because God understands my pain, my sorrow, my limitations. He understands when I can't reach success at the level someone else has. I, I don't know how to climb that ladder. God gets it. That's where Jesus was actually raised. I like the fact that God had a master plan for the life of Jesus, and he has one for you. And you can't really guess what it is. You may not know why you're here. You may not know why you're in the place. Why do I have this job? Why do I work with so-and-so? Why this neighborhood? I can't stand that guy next door. God has a plan. Trust him. Open up to it. Put your palms up and say, God, I don't know that I want to be in this situation, but I'm in Nazareth right now. And You've got to make sure and let me know that it's okay, that I can live here, that I can grow up here, I can develop here. Nazareth is not a place people really want to be or go. But sometimes, sometimes God calls us to this place in our lives because he has a plan for you to make a difference with others. And that's exactly what happened with Jesus. What does it mean to do life in Nazareth? Well, I mean, to me, it speaks of the reality of hard work. It speaks of the reality of grinding it out every day. The Son of God didn't grow up with a silver spoon in his mouth, so they say. There's no mansion or castle with a pool, no limo service, no butler, no perks, no privileges, no Ferraris. <laughs> the life sometimes that we wish we had versus life in Nazareth. What good can come out of Nazareth? Well, here's the question. What will I make of it? There's a ton of phrases that people use that actually kind of get comical sometimes. It's like, you know, um, are you impacting the culture you live in? You know, if life serves you lemon, you're gonna, lemons, you're going to make lemonade. <laughs> oh, there's a ton of these that if you're going through it, you want to just slap somebody, right? You might be in Nazareth, but here's what you need to know. Listen. God has you in Nazareth. God has you there. Be there. Be fully present there. Listen to people there. Get involved there. Get engaged there. God has a plan for the passions of your life. He's not made a mistake. You're right where you need to be. Now hunker down and be godly and be what God is asking you to be. Jesus grew up in Nazareth. This is a powerful part of the story after Christmas after the miracles, after the announcement, after the angels, after the shepherds and the magi. So what causes us to grow up strong and healthy? Let me just go to point three. 
Will I seize, it's another question, will I seize every opportunity for my personal growth? I gotta tell you, I don't think I have in my life. I think I've had plenty of opportunities to grow and I didn't. But it says, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. Verse 40, there the child grew up healthy and strong. And then it gives some traits. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. God's favor was on him, even in Nazareth. Don't forget that part. Keep remembering that. So what is it that causes us to grow up healthy and strong? I, I think sometimes I wonder what it's like to be a healthy person. Do you know if you're healthy or not? I don't mean, you know, the lack of a headache or, or physical pain, like physical health, but emotional health, mental health. Am I a healthy person or have I harbored resentment or hatefulness? How do I know if I'm really living healthy, if I'm making good decisions about being healthy? There's one of those phrases I was talking about earlier that says, don't just go through it, grow through it. <laughs> Again, whack. when someone says that to you, it's not pleasant. But it is, there's some truth in that. If I just get through stuff and I don't learn anything, then I've wasted that experience in my life. Jesus had many trials in Nazareth. Jesus had to learn. He had to be developed. He had to grow. And so we usually grow in moments or times that are difficult, that bring pressure, trials. The Bible talks about how trials and tribulation produce faith and perseverance and, and trust. So how will I embrace these challenges that come into my life? I just challenge you, life after Christmas is not easy. Yes, Jesus came. Yes, we have him in our life. But there's still a routine. There's still the mundane. There's still the getting up and going to work and doing your job and paying attention and paying your bills and working out relationships that can go wrong. This is part of being godly. It really is. You don't have to see a supernatural sign every day. That was over for Joseph and Mary. Do you know we never have another moment when an angel appeared to Mary and gave her the next step, well, this is how you raise him. This is what you feed him. This is where you take him. Nothing recorded. You know what they did? They did the best they could with the leading of the Holy Spirit. What a concept. Do you know that you and I have that opportunity when we make decisions in our life? Husbands, love your wife if you're married. Wives, love your husband if you're married. Couples, love your children if you have children. Singles, be faithful. Be faithful to God as a single person. Put it all out there on the line. Give him your all. Paul said, I'm glad I'm single because I can give everything. I'm not distracted by a spouse. There's a concept. <laughs> you can give your all. Young people. And some of you who are prime timers and you reach the stage in your life and you're going, well, I don't know what I can do anymore. There's a ton you can do. Be faithful to God. Be prayerful. Be diligent. Chase after people who are walking away. Give it your all. Live with integrity. This is this kind of stuff that they did. All right. Another question. Will I be available for God's purpose? Will I be available for God's purpose? 
Now, the story has a twist in it right here. I'm going to take you over to Luke chapter 2, verse 41. And just so you can kind of be ready for the story, Jesus is 12 years old, so it's silent from this birth moment. They go back to Nazareth. There's nothing about Jesus in Scripture until this story, all right? Then there's really nothing else after this story until he launches his ministry and baptizes John the Baptist. So we have a lot of blank slate here. Every year, this is Luke 2.41, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. <laughs> there's, a, there's a statement. I'll explain that here in a minute, okay? Because they assumed he was among the other travelers. These people went in groups, like caravans of people, and they all watched each other's kids. It's like a, my family. I have, I don't know how many cousins, but there could be 50 or 60 of us showing up at an event. And believe me, parents don't have a clue where their kids are. But he didn't show up at that evening, and they started looking for him among their relatives and their friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem. Boy, think of the panic, you guys. And finally, they discovered him in the temple. Of all, well, at least he was in church, right? Sitting among religious teachers. Okay, he's 12. Listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Well, yeah, he's the son of God, but he's learning to be the son of God. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother, I love this. Here's mom jumping in. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic. We've been searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Very good. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And then verse 52 kind of caps it off. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all people. This is the first time we see a little family spat. <laughs> we see mom frantic. How many of you, okay, moms, how many of you can relate to that? Do you get frantic? She was frantic. And she lights into Jesus and says, what have you done to us? What are you thinking? You've just walked away. We've been worried. We've been frantic, and rightly so. And Jesus makes a statement that basically is saying to them, I know my Father in heaven, and that's my highest calling. Don't worry about me. Jesus knew why he was born. He knew why he came to this earth. Joseph had to change some things. He was encouraging Mary. He had to learn to let go and trust his son, who at this point is only 12. Can you imagine? Mary had to pay attention to her own level of anxiety and maybe take a step back and say, I've got to, to give this kid a little more space. He knows what he's doing and I can't control, I can't hover anymore over him. What a concept. That's true. I do believe that as Mary pondered all these things in her heart, she handed Jesus over to God and she recognized that 
God really was his father. Even though she knew that physically, now she knew it emotionally and spiritually. You know, as I come to the conclusion of this time in this message, I suppose I have a few personal questions and maybe some concepts that I would like for you to consider. Besides these four questions, how are you navigating through Nazareth if you've had to go back to Nazareth? It's that place you really don't want to live. It's that concept that you go, oh, no, I wouldn't choose this. How many of you are in a situation right now you wouldn't choose? Yeah, I mean, that's real. I've been there. Some of us have those about every week. I'm like, what's going on right now? I want you to just stop and ponder and think, will I trust God when the Magi have left? Will I trust God when there are no more angels speaking out of heaven? Will I trust God when the shepherds have all gone back to the field? In the mundane routine of my life. Will 2021 allow me to continue my path to walk in godliness for the rest of my life? And will I finish well? I'm going to invite you to pray with me. And I want you to think about these things and ponder these things. Will I be faithful? What does life after Christmas mean for you? Let's pray. Lord, today I, I, I just feel this challenge for so many who are listening today to say, I don't want this. I don't want to be where I'm at. And thank you for those who are happy to be where they're at. But for those who are struggling in Nazareth, I pray that they would just open their hearts to the reason you have them there, the truth of being there, the plan of God that is bigger than their own plan and reach them there. Lord, encourage hearts today. Be a strength to those who are struggling. And may we have a determination. As some have said in past, I set my jaw, meaning I just clenched down and said, I'm going through this. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to pay attention. God is still with me. May we have that grit and determination to face another day and to trust you in it. In your name I pray. If you have not made a commitment to follow Jesus, I would just invite you right now to say, Lord, be the Lord of my life. I come to you. I give you all that I am. Listen, he loves you. He can, he'll take you just the way you are. You don't have to clean up first. Isn't that refreshing? Yay. Just offer yourself to him and you'll see. And we'll help you. We'll help you the best we can. I love you. Thanks for joining us. Please continue to let love live. I'm excited about 2021. I'll be talking to you about that here in a couple of weeks. And uh, we're going to make a difference as a church and as individuals. God bless. Have a great weekend.